0: This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of neuropathic or Charcot joint of the shoulder, from the shoulder and elbow section on orthobullets.com. So as a quick summary to start the episode, neuropathic or Charcot shoulder is a chronic and progressive joint disease most commonly caused by syringomyelia leading to the destruction of the shoulder joint and surrounding structures. The diagnosis is made with radiographs of the shoulder and supplemented with cervical spine MRI to assess for a syrinx. Treatment should be individualized based on the degree of functional limitation and the underlying neurological condition. Neurosurgical decompression is indicated in the presence of a syrinx. Now let's get into the episode. With respect to the epidemiology, the incidence is very rare, and there are around 70 total cases reported in the literature. 25% of individuals with syrinxes develop neuropathic arthropathy, with 80% of cases occurring in the upper extremity. As far as the demographics, the mean age at diagnosis is approximately 50, and there is a 2-to-1 male-to-female ratio. The anatomic location for a Charcot joint is the shoulder, which we'll talk about in this episode, the elbow, as well as the foot and ankle, which we'll discuss in separate podcast episodes. Moving on to the etiology, as far as the pathophysiology of syringes formation— A syrinx is a fluid-filled cavity in the spinal cord that causes damage to the decussating fibers of the lateral spinothalamic tract leading to loss of pain and temperature sensation. Loss of pain temperature leads to dissociative anesthesia in which proprioception and motor function are preserved but pain and temperature are not. As the syrinx enlarges, damage to the dorsal column and anterior horn of the spinal cord lead to a reflexia, loss of motor strength, and muscle atrophy. Joint destruction can be neurotraumatic or neurovascular in nature. In terms of neurotrauma, loss of peripheral sensation and proprioception leads to repetitive microtrauma to the joint. Poor fine motor control generates unnatural pressure on certain joints leading to additional microtrauma. As far as a neurovascular etiology to joint destruction, neuropathic patients have dysregulated reflexes and desensitized joints that receive significantly greater blood flow. The resulting hyperemia leads to increased osteoclastic resorption of the bone. With respect to genetics, as far as the molecular biology, rank-L-OPG triad pathway is thought to be involved. Associated conditions with neuropathic charcot joint of the shoulder include syringomyelia, Hansen's disease or leprosy, neurosyphilis, otherwise known as tabes dorsalis, diabetes, Arnold-Chiari malformation, multiple sclerosis, end-stage renal disease, adhesive arachnoiditis and TB arachnoiditis, meningomyelocele, and chronic alcoholism. Syringomyelia is the most common etiology of neuropathic arthropathy of the upper extremity. 25% of Charcot joints are the result of syringomyelia. This is monoarticular in nature with the shoulder being more commonly involved in the elbow. Cervical syringomyelia is the cause of 75% of cases of Charcot shoulder. Hansen's disease or leprosy is the second most common cause of upper extremity neuropathic arthropathy. Neurosyphilis or tabes dorsalis usually affects the knee but can be polyarticular. Diabetes is the most common cause of foot and ankle neuropathic joints, and Arnold-Chiari malformation is the most common cause of syringomyelia. Now, let's talk about the presentation of a neuropathic Charcot joint of the shoulder. In terms of history, of patients report trauma to the shoulder as the inciting event. Symptoms can include a swollen shoulder, 50%, however, are painless, loss of function, and joint instability. On physical exam, inspection may reveal a swollen, warm erythematous joint, which can mimic an infection. On motion assessment, loss of motion is the most common finding seen in 90% of patients. You may also find crepitus, as well as joint laxity with mechanical instability. On neurovascular exam, you may find decreased upper extremity muscle strength, sensory and temperature changes along the patient's back and arms in a cape-like distribution, as well as asymmetric reflexes where areflexia is common in the late stage of the disease. Moving on to imaging, recommended views on radiographs include standard views of the affected joint, that is an AP and scapular Y of the shoulder. In terms of findings on radiographs, remember radiographs are the gold standard in diagnosis of Charcot shoulder, and early changes will show degenerative changes that may mimic osteoarthritis. Late changes include supermedial flattening of the humeral head, periarticular soft tissue calcifications, glenoid sclerosis, extensive bone resorption, joint destruction, and eventual joint subluxation and dislocation. Indications for a CT scan is if there is significant concern for osteomyelitis slash chronic infection. In terms of findings, a CT scan is helpful in evaluating for intraosseous gas, cortical destruction, and sequestra. An MRI of the cervical spine is indicated to rule out syrinx when neuropathic shoulder arthropathy is present. Findings may include a syrinx that has signal intensity equal to or higher than CSF on T1-weighted images. A bone scan, specifically a technetium bone scan, may be positive or hot for neuropathic joints and osteomyelitis. An indium white blood cell scan will be negative or cold for neuropathic joints and positive or hot for osteomyelitis. This is useful to differentiate a Charcot joint from osteomyelitis. Moving on to some other studies, as far as labs, ESR and white blood cell count can be elevated, making it difficult to differentiate from osteomyelitis. Histology will show synovial hypertrophy and detritic synovitis, which is cartilage and bone distributed in the synovium. The differential diagnosis for neuropathic Charcot joint of the shoulder is osteomyelitis slash septic joint, synovial chondromatosis, soft tissue sarcoma, tumoral calcinosis, Winchester syndrome, Gorham's disease, and Milwaukee shoulder syndrome. In this episode, let's talk about osteomyelitis slash septic joint in a bit more detail, as a Charcot joint is difficult to distinguish from osteomyelitis based on radiographs and physical exam. Common findings in both conditions include swelling and warmth, elevated white blood cell count and ESR, and the technetium bone scan is hot. As far as what's unique to Charcot joint disease, As we mentioned, an indium leukocyte scan will be cold or negative, however will be hot or positive for osteomyelitis. Now let's talk about the treatment for neuropathic charcoal joint of the shoulder, and this can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management includes rest, NSAIDs, protected immobilization with a sling, restriction of activity, and treatment of the underlying disease. This is indicated as the first line of treatment for a neuropathic shoulder joint. As far as outcomes, 50% of patients have reported improvement after non-operative management. Intraarticular corticosteroid injections are indicated in the setting of severe shoulder pain. As far as outcomes, some case reports have shown temporary 80% reduction in pain following glenohumeral corticosteroid injection. Operative options include neurosurgical decompression, shoulder arthrodesis, and shoulder arthroplasty. Neurosurgical decompression is indicated in the presence of a cervical syrinx. As far as outcomes, decompression of the syrinx has shown to slow disease progression, maximize joint function, and improve bone quality. Studies have shown regrowth of the glenoid fossa following syrinx decompression. Shoulder arthrodesis is indicated for severe Charcot shoulder pain having failed conservative management. As far as outcomes, shoulder arthrodesis was previously the only operative management offered for a Charcot shoulder. Finally, moving on to shoulder arthroplasty, as far as indications, Neuropathic arthropathy is listed as a strict contraindication for the majority of FDA-approved shoulder arthroplasties due to concerns of prosthetic loosening. Arthroplasty for this condition should be physician-directed application or off-label use. Newer literature, however, states that arthroplasty is a viable option for patients with Charcot shoulder who have failed conservative management and have had the underlying condition treated slash managed. As far as outcomes, 70% of patients reported improved function with off-label hemiarthroplasty or reverse total shoulder arthroplasty combined with physical therapy at 5-year follow-up. Now let's talk about some of these management techniques in a bit more detail. As far as rest, NSAIDs, protected immobilization with a sling, and restriction of activity as well as treatment of the underlying disease, remember that immobilization slows the progression of ligamentous and soft tissue laxity. Gentle physical therapy, passive stretching, and range of motion exercises allow for reduction of pain and swelling. As far as intra-articular corticosteroid injections, remember that glenohumeral injection is considered the most effective. Moving on to neurosurgical decompression, neurosurgical management has been reported to consist of one or more of the following, posterior fossa decompression, craniotomy, syringoperitoneal shunt, and or laminectomy. Moving on to shoulder arthrodesis, the approach will be an S-shaped skin incision beginning over the scapular spine, traversing anteriorly over the acromion, and extending down the anterolateral aspect of the arm. As far as the technique, the goal of the fusion position is to allow patients to reach their mouths for feeding. Think 30-30-30, or 30 degrees-30 30 degrees-30 30 degrees. So this will be 20-30 to 30 degrees of abduction, 20-30 to 30 degrees of forward flexion, and 20-30 to 30 degrees of internal rotation. Finally, moving on to shoulder arthroplasty, the technique can involve a hemiarthroplasty, an anatomic total shoulder arthroplasty, reverse total shoulder arthroplasty, and shoulder resurfacing, which have all been previously performed off-label for treatment of Charcot shoulder with encouraging results. Complications can include progressive glenoid erosion in hemiarthroplasty cases, as well as acromial stress fractures in reverse total shoulder arthroplasty. Complications can include infection, upper extremity DVT, an acromial stress fracture. Infection has high risk with surgical intervention without management of the underlying condition. Upper extremity DVT is a risk factor after any surgical intervention, and an acromial stress fracture is a risk factor in the setting of a reverse total shoulder arthroplasty for treatment of a Charcot shoulder. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, a 62-year-old female presents with chronic shoulder pain. She denies any recent or remote history of trauma or infection. A radiograph shows a proximal humerus with significant destruction and fragmentation. Which of the following is the most common cause of her findings? And the choices are 1. Diabetes, 2. Syphilis, 3. Alcoholism, 4. Syringomyelia, and 5. Uremia. The correct answer to this question is for syringomyelia. So the clinical presentation is consistent with Charcot neural arthropathy of the shoulder. The most common cause of neuropathic arthropathy of the shoulder is syringomyelia, although chronic alcoholism and diabetes have also been reported. Workup for neuropathic arthropathy of the shoulder includes magnetic resonance images of the cervical spine to look for a syrinx of the central cord. Hatzis et al. retrospectively reviewed a series of patients with neuropathic arthropathy of the shoulder the etiology of the neuropathic condition was most commonly syringomyelia. They reported that the diagnosis is often missed, and inappropriate surgeries were frequently performed for this etiology. Clayton et al. also reviewed Charcot arthropathy of the shoulder and concluded that although rare, diabetes mellitus should always be ruled out as a cause for this disorder. They report that treatment should not be different with diabetes as the etiology. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, diabetes is a documented cause of Charcot neuroarthropathy of the shoulder, but is less common than syringomyelia. Answer 2, syphilis is no longer the most common cause of these findings. Answer 3, alcoholism is a documented cause of Charcot neuroarthropathy of the shoulder, but is less common than syringomyelia. And finally, answer 5, there is no documented association between Charcot neuroarthropathy and uremia. Moving on to the final question. A 50-year-old wheelchair-bound male with a history of traumatic spinal cord injury presents with six months of progressive painless left shoulder weakness and decreased range of motion. He's afebrile, and CBC, ESR, and C-reactive protein levels are normal. A radiograph demonstrates a Charcot left shoulder. Early management should include, and the choices are 1. HIV testing, 2. cervical spine MRI, 3. Repeat ESR, C-reactive protein, and CBC. 4. Emergent open reduction and internal fixation. And 5. Emergent irrigation and drainage. The correct answer to this question is 2. Cervical spine MRI. So this patient has a history of spinal cord injury and presents with an upper extremity neuropathic arthropathy, so a syrinx is highly suspected. Hatzis et al. demonstrated that of 6 patients with Charcot shoulder, 5 of the 6 patients were found to have a syrinx on MRI of the spine as the underlying cause. Therefore, all patients with shoulder neuropathic arthropathy should receive an MRI of the cervical spine. As discussed by Geil et al., other causes of neuroarthropathy of the shoulder include Chiari malformation, syphilis, and diabetes. They were reported on a rare case of Charcot shoulder neuroarthropathy from familial sensory neuropathy.